Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Eight minutes after the hour. Uh, Black Rifle is in the building. Megan has come in bringing all kinds of joy. Goodies. Yes. Uh, maybe Scott will show up. Maybe. Maybe SVK, Scott Van Kirk. All right. Uh, see if he comes in, he'll tear this apart. You'll be, he'll have this brand new pistol in front of him in pieces. Yeah, probably. Uh, in a matter of seconds as he examines how it's made, but it's a beautiful little concealed carry. We'll talk about that. You brought in a long gun too, a great looking rifle. Uh, on the table today, we got a, a lot of ground to cover. We'll talk a little bit about schools and firearms because there is a school system here in Missouri that has uh, decided to let their teachers conceal carry. I wish more school systems would do that. Uh, but we're going to start off with politics because uh, Beto O'Rourke has made a statement that I think is, well, one of the most ludicrous, most incredibly stupid things that I have ever heard any politician say. And I've been following politics for a long time. I mean, this is, you know, quite literally what I do for a living. <clears throat> so, uh, without further ado, the genius of Robert Francis O'Rourke. Congressman, can you please just clarify how you will get the ARs and the AKs back? I, I expect our fellow Americans to follow the law. Uh, if you own an AR-15, if you own an AK-47, um, and it is now no longer legal to own that, and I expect you to turn it in. Well, I, I, I will the bad guys do it, though? Um, look, if, if someone is, is defying the law, then there will be consequences, just as there is for any law that's on the books right now. Um, so I think we should have some faith in our, our fellow Americans, gun owners and non-gun owners alike, including the owners of AK-47s and AR-15s to do the right thing. Did I did I hear <laughs> did I hear him say we have to have faith? Yep, in, did. In, uh, in criminals. In criminals. <laughs> oh, you can't make this stuff up. Um, it's baffling. Yeah, I mean, how could he possibly believe that? I I don't. I I, uh, I honestly don't know. Um. He did follow that up with saying that he would have police go door to door to confiscate. Yeah, and that gets... Um, Good luck and Godspeed. Yeah. Um, I, if I were law enforcement, that would not be... No. Uh, that, that, just that would not be one of the uh, jobs that I would want to take. I would give that up. Uh, it, it, I would just quit before I did that. Well, that's why a lot of departments aren't enforcing the red flag laws because they know the danger going into it and they know that it's not right. Uh, there are some school systems here in uh, Columbia, by the way, that are now allowing uh, their teachers uh, to conceal carry. Uh, there is one that uh, just came out in the last, I think, the last week and said, yeah, we're going to let our teachers carry. Uh, going back to last year, uh, they uh, talk about uh, Missouri's Ozarks uh, region uh, one school board is considering the idea, while another has armed their teachers since the Sandy Hook mass shooting in 2012. Uh, the superintendent of school uh, of the Osage, 1900 student school district near uh, the lake, said in a Facebook post, the school board spent part of its meeting Monday discussing the idea of training select school personnel to utilize multiple solutions. Um, I've heard arguments uh, ag against the idea. I, of course, stand firmly in favor of it. Uh, but one of the things they tell us, Megan, is, you know, the student might get their hands on the teacher's gun. Uh, does that terrify you at all? How do those students know what teachers have them and who doesn't? Oh, 
yeah, that's probably going to be a problem. And these students are surrounded by people every day mm-hmm. who conceal carry, and they don't know who they are. Uh-huh. So that's not a problem. I don't imagine you're going to see a lot of teachers getting upset with a, a, a loud and boisterous class to take out their firearm and start plinking at the kids. No. No? No. So um, Dr. John Lott looked at uh, school shootings, and uh, he determined that, in fact, it's actually... Uh, it doesn't even drive up insurance costs. There is absolutely no excuse. Uh, some people say, well, teachers don't want to both uh, teach and carry a gun, which is akin to saying they don't want to walk and chew gum. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference? Because There's not much of a difference. Yeah, because you don't do anything different until the bad guy comes along. Yeah, you pray that you never have to use that. Yeah, but that's that's what they're arguing, uh, and it it really is uh, it's frustrating, and it bothers me because in uh, Colombia, which is a, a larger area, mm-hmm. uh, the likelihood increases. I think the greater the urban area that somebody will do this in a school. Yeah, you know, it just seems to me that uh, most people in the in the very rural areas tend to be more grounded. I'm not saying it's not possible it's happened and it will happen. Mm-hmm. But I think when you get into the uh, rural, uh, the urban areas, uh, the likelihood that some kid will get a gun from his father or the man yeah. that's living with his mother uh, or even the mother. Yeah, because especially in those areas, you're going to have a higher population anyway. So then statistically, it's going to increase that chance more so than, say, a rural area. Can you think of any other way that you could protect these kids. I mean, for the money, I can't think of a better way. It's it's difficult because, like, my mom worked at a middle school in St. Louis, um, and the entry points that they have, it was basically you had to buzz in, they've got a camera there, and they let you in. But that main entrance that they were doing that at was at a stairwell. So you could either go up the stairs and actually go to the office where you're supposed to, or you've got free reign. There's nobody there once they let you in to do anything about it and I, I brought that to a lot of people's attention when I was there uh, visiting her and I had a really big problem of it because you don't know where their school resource officer is so God forbid something happen there's nothing you can do at that point my late wife um, worked at uh, the Cleveland school system mm-hmm. uh, and she had the task of guarding the door she would stand and sit at the door mm-hmm. of the main entrance and make sure that, um, you know, whoever was coming in had reason to be there and was allowed to be there. Yeah. They didn't allow her to be armed. And she was on the lower east side of Cleveland, which is a, a pretty high crime rate mm-hmm. area. And it used to terrify me. Oh, yeah. That she was sitting there like a like a pigeon. Sitting duck, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the the schools have made, uh, I think, a horrible decision in in uh, Columbia and everywhere else. I think they should allow the staff to have the option and not necessarily, because there are going to be a lot of teachers that may not want to do that. Yeah, you wouldn't want to mandate that. Yeah. Absolutely not. If you would prefer to, here's the training you're going to go through, and you may carry once you're certified to. Yeah, uh, but... Uh, anything else you you can you can get law enforcement in there uh, as they're doing here in Colombia, but 
that's usually one in the whole building. Yep. Uh, and that's not sufficient. No. And because they're in uniform, mm-hmm. they're a tar- that's my, they might as well just paint a target on them. Because mm-hmm. that's the first, if I were going to do something like that, that'd be the first person I'd go for. Because mm-hmm. once I, I know, once, like my high school, my high school is a very big campus. So something could have happened in one of the buildings, and the officers could be complete opposite side of the campus, and it's going to take them a minute to get there. And you can do a lot of damage mm-hmm. in that amount of time. And again, they're, that target, they're easily spotted. The moment yep. they come into view, uh, you know, that that's where the exchange takes mm-hmm. place. What about the fear that <clears throat> um, somebody comes in with a gun and they start shooting, and then you've got a teacher with a concealed carry permit and who's pr- permitted uh, to carry on campus, uh, and he comes out and he misses. See, that's one of the... We had a, a, a conversation about this, uh, Brandon Rathert, uh, our morning show host, mm-hmm. and that was one of the arguments was, well, what happens if somebody comes out and they miss and they hit a student? See, here's my view on that. The guy with a gun and no one to stop him just keeps shooting students. Mm-hmm. And there's no telling how many deaths he'll rack up. Mm-hmm. The teacher comes out with a gun, and maybe the teacher misses, but the teacher uh, is the focus, not the students, and more of them, I think, would have to survive. Yeah. Because he doesn't have time to shoot at the students. Somebody's shooting back at him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing with that is continue to train. Get out and do things yeah. under stress, because that's where a lot of that's going to come in if you're not used to shooting under stress. It's very likely that you could miss in a situation like that. So it's just that. But you're taking the heat off the students. Yeah. Because you're now the focus of the bad guy. And Uh, then bad guy is then going to have to react to that. And that could either be go for cover or, you know, run the opposite direction, knowing that there's somebody there now coming after him. No matter how you look at it, it's safer for the students if there are some teachers who willingly... Uh, are concealed carrying and and uh, and are practicing, and that's the next step I want to hit to. I want to find out how often you practice, uh, how often you think others should practice to get those skills down pat. Black Rifle with us this morning. I carry on guns. Ninety three nine Eagle. Hey, welcome. It is twenty three minutes after the hour, and uh, Megan is in from Black Rifle. She brought in a couple of really neat toys here. We'll get into those uh, in just a few minutes. We're talking about practice. I've been asking the, uh, all of the uh, guests to come on. How often they go shooting, and uh, the recommendation I think is at least once a month you ought to go out and and uh, do something. Yeah. But I don't know anybody that's doing it so far. Most of us would like to, but it's hard to take that time. Carbon life out. happens. Yeah. So how often do you get out? Not enough. <laughs> oh, that that was. <laughs> a, are you running for office? Seems like you evaded uh, answering that question. Um. No, I, I definitely haven't been a, able to be out as much, especially in the last year. Um, I put a lot of my <laughs> free time into uh, helping take care of my grandparents. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll explain what's going on here, and I apologize for interrupting. Yeah, I definitely need to get out a lot more. Um there's some stuff that I think Pete and I are probably going to get out and do some work on the range once he's a little bit more free. Yeah. Um, my, my Probably uh, 
the two places I go the most would be uh, Green Valley and uh, Target Masters. Mm-hmm. Um, Target Masters is just really convenient for me, but Green yeah. Valley has so many things to offer. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is so much fun. And if I go to Green Valley and I bring my rifle along, they have a rifle range. Heck, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and There's a lot of stuff you can do at Green Valley. Yeah. What is your, when you're, when you do practice, are you, are you using the plates, are you using the paper targets? Which ones do you, uh... Uh, it depends on what I'm doing. Um... Of course it does. That's why you got choices. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, a lot of times paper targets, um, if I just go, a lot of times I'll just jet up to DC Rogers up in Fayette since that'll be the closest to me. Um, and I actually put clay pigeons out. And since it's just a berm that I'm shooting at, just put some clay pigeons up there and... So you, Do some work. Uh, all right, so you're not throwing them up and trying to shoot them with no. a pistol. Because if you're doing that, I am never going to say anything nasty to you in my life. Well, now I kind of want to try it. Yeah? Yeah. I'll tell you an interesting story. My father was a pretty good shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a guy that was bragging, and they were going to shoot clay, you know, the uh, pigeons, with a twenty two rifle. Okay. But my father was uh, devious, uh, I would argue. Okay. And he had birdshot. And so every other round was birdshot. <laughs> and, you know, he let this guy shoot. And, of course, he misses. It's, it's like a one in a million that yeah. you could get one. And then Dad, of course, <laughs> shoots the next round, which is the birdshot. <laughs> Dad, Dad won that one. Smart. Didn't he? Yeah. Clever. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that's uh, uh, it's just fun to go out to places where you can uh, shoot them all. But it's it's something that you should do every month and there's more to practice than just shooting at the targets mm-hmm. uh there's drawing your weapon mm-hmm. a lot of people don't practice getting that firearm out of the holster in, yep. in the ready position um as often as they should and there are all kinds of things that get in your way if you're wearing inside the belt and your mm-hmm. shirt is ballooned or uh, uh, over your uh, firearm uh you got to make sure you get behind that uh there's uh you know, popping the safety, making mm-hmm. sure you get that safety off in one smooth motion. Uh, and one more thing that I think a lot of people don't practice but ought to practice is uh, changing magazines. Yes. Uh, if you're uh, if you're smart, you'll carry more than one magazine. Yes. And dropping, and this is the thing that I have the hardest time with. I have a hard time dropping the magazine and just saying, I'm not going to look down. I'm not going to care if I step on it. I've got to move that, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to move it through. So that's something that uh, I don't practice enough, and I know I should. Is there anything that you think you don't practice enough that you should? Um, I definitely need to work more on drawing from concealment and doing it, like, on a shot timer. Because um, that'll induce stress, knowing that you're on a timer. You're going to see how fast you can do it smoothly. Uh, so I definitely need to continue to do some work on that. And now, um, there are a, a variety of different places you can conceal carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an ankle holster, and I have a hard time thinking that that's a good place to keep my gun. That's a decent secondary place. Yeah, that's not that's not where I would want my primary. No. Uh, women have a slight advantage in that you got you can if you carry a purse, mm-hmm. uh, there are concealed carry purses. There, there's no concealed carry concealed carry wallet that I have or know of anyway. Fair. So yeah. uh, it's either inside uh, the belt, outside the belt, uh, and then there's shoulder holsters. And I don't think I like those either. I'm not a fan. Not my thing. Yeah. Um, d- does it bother you when you see people on TV carrying their firearm 
in the center of their back? Yes. It's like, because you know nobody can do that. for The moment you sit down... We st- we still get quite a few people that'll come in and say that that's where they carry or that's where they intend to carry. And I kind of revert back to stuff that Pete and I have discussed of, God forbid, you get into an altercation. What if you get slammed on your back? Yeah. How do you get a, how do you pull that firearm? You're looking at spi- potential spinal damage, too. Yeah, that's true. If it's slammed on, on your back, that would, uh, that would be a very likely possibility. And it's a whole lot easier to go if your arms are pinned maybe two appendix yeah. and trying to get behind your back and yeah. a lot you, of different factors. When you say Pete, because uh, you keep crowing about Pete, <laughs> um, maybe you want to tell people uh, who Pete is. Yeah, so Pete that I'm referring to is Pete Jones, who was formerly of Tim Oliver and Learn to Carry. He now has his own training business of Rooster Industries, and he is actually part-time at Black Rifle. Is he really? Yes, and so is Doc, his business Really? Partner. Yeah. It, 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 Tim Oliver is such a great uh, a great trainer. He's even trained his own competition. Yeah. Well, good thing being Pete and Doc don't really do concealed carry stuff. They focus mm-hmm. on more advanced training, law enforcement training. So they kind of piggyback off of each other. Yeah. Uh, I got my uh, basic training from Tim Oliver over at mm-hmm. com. Me too. <clears throat> and uh, have you ever seen him shoot? I mean, shoot fast? I don't think I have. I got a video of him somewhere. I'm not sure where it's at, but um, he had a, um, uh, gosh, what is that? It was a high-performance um, uh, FN 5.7. Oh, yeah. And, Who else uh, is 5.7? Yeah, and shooting at a target. And this guy was in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. He's been teaching the classes for years. Uh, he shot in competition. And he's not a young kid anymore, and he's got no. those, you know, I used to call them sausage fingers. Uh, but he pulled out his his firearm, and he shot and hit the target at such an incredible rate that I was, I was I never told him how impressed I was. I'm not I, surprised. Because you don't want to give him a big head. Well, no, you yeah. can't. All right. <laughs> we got some uh, stories in the news that the news media aren't covering. We'll cover that ground. Black Rifle is in. Megan is here. New toys to be ha- to be had. I'm Gary on Guns, 93.9 The Eagle. 35 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. If you've got questions about uh, your firearm, give us a call. Because Megan is in the building from Black Rifle, and she can answer them all. I hope so. Well, we'll try. Yeah, we'll try. Uh, Anyway, uh, and Black Rifle is in Boonville, and it's uh, the second exit. Yep. Or the middle exit. Yep. Or if you're coming the other way, the second exit. Correct. No matter how you do it, you can't miss. (laughs) Uh, there are some stories in the news. They don't cover these stories. You hear about when when uh, there's a shooting, but you don't hear about when uh, a firearm is used to repel the bad guy. So we got a couple of stories from Bearing Arms that I thought would be uh, worth mentioning. About 7.15 in the evening, a woman and her boyfriend were inside an apartment uh, when the woman's former boyfriend tried to kick the door in, prompting the current boyfriend to open fire, according to the Metropolitan Police Department. The ex-boyfriend took off, but police found him just a few doors away with multiple gunshot wounds, taken to a local hospital, and according to the last reports, he's expected to survive. But I think that was a lesson learned. So there's a case where somebody used their firearm uh, to defend themselves, and I would argue uh, it should have gotten more publicity. Of course. On October 16th, 2019, 6.52 in the evening, two men attempted to rob... Uh, the Bluegrass Cellular Store, located in uh, uh, 
Franklin, Tennessee, Kentucky. Uh, the subject with the, they got a picture here. There's one subject with a hoodie and a mask pointing a handgun at the store owner. The store owner pulled a personally owned firearm, chased the suspects from the store. They fled traveling south on Nashville Road. The suspect, uh, one of them wearing a scream mask, uh, wearing an ASAP Ferg hoodie. Uh, the other male suspect wearing a Chicago Bulls cap with a beard. Uh, and they they didn't get shot. Uh, this guy had enough sense not to shoot mm -hmm. at somebody who was r leaving the scene. But that's another example of somebody brandishing a firearm, not shooting anybody, yep. but not being a victim either. And you never hear about it. And the guy with the beard wasn't wearing a mask. He can't leave an identifiable, you know, somebody there who can identify him. Right. Uh, so, you know, what would have happened to that store clerk if he hadn't had a firearm? Not only would have been robbed, but might have been killed. Mm -hmm. uh, then we have a story out of North Carolina. An employee at the Little Fish House. Uh, investigators learned that an attempted robber tried to get into the business. But when they were not allowed to get in, the robber pulled out a gun and allegedly shot into the business. An employee fired back. Deputies don't know if the robber was shot. But again, somebody with a firearm uh, defending themselves mm -hmm. and sending the bad guy away. Uh, and there's... But wait, there's more. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Take my line. Uh, according to court documents, Marcus Germain Weekly has been granted immunity from charges under a state law, self-defense law. Uh, Weekly was uh, arrested in June, connection with the shooting death of Patton Shipley, and turned himself in after the Lauderdale County Grand Jury indicted him in August of 2018. Circuit Judge Powell stated uh, in the order of dismissal that Marcus Weekly was justified when using deadly physical force when he shot and killed Patton Shipley in June of 2018. Uh, this guy was, uh, you know, going after him, and he repelled him with his firearm. These are the stories that don't get covered. You only hear the, you know, there's a, a, an old uh, adage about uh, airplanes. Mm -hmm. um, when an airplane crashes, everybody in the country knows about it. It's big news. Yeah. But airplanes take off and land every day with nothing. Nobody covers them. It doesn't make the news. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing here. When the bad guy successfully hurts a lot of people, everybody hears about it. But all of the millions of people every year, and it is in excess of a million people, according to the federal government, mm -hmm. who brandish a weapon to repel the bad guy, they don't get covered. No. That's not a story that gets a lot of news. It's not scary, so it doesn't sell. Yeah. Uh, and I think if more people were aware of these stories, if more people knew that this happens on a daily basis, mm -hmm. then I think... Um, there would be more people who were uh, pro-Second Amendment. Yeah. They would recognize that uh, it's not all bad news. I don't know what's going on in, my, in the minds of some people. 874-9390-800-529-5572. Um, we were just talking about holsters, by the way. And uh, we are talking about uh, carrying in the ankle, uh, which I think is great for a backup when the bottom falls out. But... Getting that out in emergency mm -hmm. is a little bit challenging. <laughs> Excuse me. Wait a minute. Hold on. Just give me a second here. Uh, that doesn't work. Um, but uh, this is the season uh, that we're coming up on mm -hmm. where an outside-the-belt holster is really easy to, to carry off, to yep. pull off. Uh, because you're wearing usually a jacket mm -hmm. uh, or something that's uh, uh, bulky and, and uh, makes it much easier 
to draw. And in fact, I just talked to you about getting one for my yep. uh, my concealed carry. And you do that often enough, too. You, oh, you yeah. carry on the outside yep. of the belt. Just a, it's, it's probably, I would argue, the best option outside the belt. Easiest to get yeah. to. Uh, and easiest uh, and, and pretty easy to conceal. Uh, but they can get holsters at Black Rifle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've got holsters from just a general sticky holster that's an easy out, inside the waistband or in the pocket up to, oh, geez, we have Galco, we have Crossbreeds. We have a lot of options in the store. I uh, so Speaking of inside the pocket, because I do have a small concealed carry mm-hmm. that I use when I'm wearing a suit. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people will just put that, that little pocket carry in their pocket and not use a holster. Uh, some people don't even know you can get a holster for it. Mm-hmm. But they, they but they do make a holster for it, and it's designed so that when you pull a firearm out of your pocket, the holster stays in the pocket. Yeah, it's just, it's got some, I, I don't know what the material is, but it's a, a tacky material on the exterior of the holster. So being that it's tacky, it's going to stay put. Um, I even use them inside the waistband because it's going to stay put. Mike went over the handlebars on a bicycle using one of those holsters, and his pistol stayed put with just drawstring shorts. That's a picture I don't want to have to. <laughs> no, I don't want to know. Uh, but but uh, there are all kinds of options. If you stop oh, yeah. by Black Rifle in Boonville, uh, they will take you through and, uh, and, and find the holster that's best for you. Uh, red flag laws. Cops seize guns owned by a school crossing guard. Uh, do you know what this this whole gentleman did that was that got him in so much trouble? Yes. You want? To, <laughs> yes. Well, we see when you say that you're supposed to go. Yes, he. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Instead, you just gave me yes. I need help here. What did this guy do? That because that... I feel bad for the poor man. Well, you want to tell people what he did? You can go ahead. No, 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 no. I insist. <laughs> <A few. laughs> I just don't remember exactly what how he phrased it. Uh, he was concerned about school safety, and he made a comment about that, and uh, the next thing you know it, they want his guns. Uh, the, the author, for, this is from uh, Media Research Center, a few days ago he wrote a piece about a, uh, and shot a video covering the fact that in the first two weeks of New Jersey's rights violating red flag statute, agents of the state used it more than once a day to go after people's <sighs> firearms. One video... Uh, viewer commented that he was from Massachusetts and worried about such a statute passing there uh, because Massachusetts red flag laws had been uh, passed. But if I had waited just two days, I could have told him that this new infringement, uh, it was about, this guy was 84 years old, uh, retired cop, uh, Korean war vet. Uh, he's now a crossing guard working at a, in, in a school district up, uh, up there. He was confronted by police and told to turn over his firearms, license, uh, and guns under the red flag law in Massachusetts simply because a waitress overheard him worrying about school safety while having lunch with a friend. This isn't fiction. Uh, this, uh, in the non-responsive, seemingly evasive manner in which town officials, from police to school officials, are responding to requests for information, reads like something from a dystopian novel. According to Rich Salzberg in a piece published uh, by the uh, MV Times October 11, Tillsbury, Massachusetts school crossing guard recently was relieved of duty, had his gun license and firearms taken by police for alleged threats to the Tillsbury school uh, overheard by a waitress at Linda Jean's restaurant in Oak Bluffs. 
Uh, he said his career with the Tisbury Police spanned 60 years. Jeez. Served in the United States Army during the Korean War. Uh, he told the Times that he made no threats to the school, but had criticized its school resource officer in a conversation with a friend. He said the conversation was taken out of context. His friend confirms that what, uh, what Mr. Nichols and his lawyer have stated. Edgerton resident Andy Marcus described the situation as absur absurd. Confirmed Nicholas didn't threaten the school, but pointed out that Nicholas thought that Ogden, the resource officer, was having coffee at Extra Mart and leaving the students potentially exposed. Marcus said he has known Nichols for years and often talks to him at the counter <clears throat> at Linda Jean's. He said nobody at that restaurant but one server holds the opinion that Nichols possibly posed a threat to the school. He said in addition to being a longtime school uh, police officer, he was a court officer and a constable. Um, I mean, that's just amazing. The guy is a veteran and a former police officer. And in his 80s. And in, yeah, and in his 80s. You know how vindictive those 80-year-olds can be. You see those, uh, you know, septuagenarians, octogenarians. They're out there uh, shooting the place up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the owner of the restaurant, Mark Hanover, said that uh, he had known this guy for decades, vouched for his integrity, described the situation as absolutely outrageous, said he believes one of his servers overreacted. Um, it, it, this can happen to anybody with That's these the red problem. flag laws. You can... Overreact. I could or say something. And there yeah, we go. I could say something on the radio. Mm -hmm. uh, and some listener out there, if we had a red flag law mm -hmm. here, could say, oh, that Gary Nolan, he's, he, is a, he is a threat to students or himself or people. Mm -hmm. And I would lose my, my yep. one and only firearm. Yeah, and, the and, only one. Yeah, yeah. And, and my uh, permit to carry. Uh, they're just a very, very bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Concealed carry. Is it less or more popular now? Well, we'll give you some details next. Gary on Guns, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. It is uh, 52 minutes after the hour. Megan is in from Black Rifle. All right, so... Uh, Scott uh, uh, hasn't made it in, so I've disassembled the gun. I don't think I can get it back together again. Uh, well, maybe you can sell it in parts. Eh, we'll maybe. talk about it in the next hour. Uh, in, in the meantime, uh, John Lott uh, from Crime Prevention Research released this concealed carry permit holders uh, across the uh, United States 2019. It's an annual report on the number of concealed carry permit holders. And... Um, you know, I I don't think it's surprising, but uh, apparently a lot of people are surprised. In 2019, the number of concealed handgun permits soared to over 18.66 million, a 304% increase since 2007, about an 8% growth over the number of permits since 2018. Uh, more than 18, almost 19 million Americans hold a permit to lawfully carry a concealed firearm to protect themselves. Uh, the number doesn't include the number of states where one does not require a permit to legally carry a firearm. And we recently gained that right here, um, or regained that right, I would mm -hmm. argue, uh, in the state of Missouri. How do you regain a right? If it's a right, it's a right. You would think. If it's, But if, you're also bringing logic into this. Yeah, I guess I should yeah, I can't <laughs> I avoid that. that. Can't do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if it's a privilege, you can lose the privilege yes. and regain the privilege. But if it's a right, it's a right, period. Uh, nevertheless, um, 
7.3% uh, of Americans hold concealed carry permit. Um, some states provide permit holders data by gender and race. Among those states, women average 26.5% of permit holders. Uh, one half of one percentage point increase over 2018. Do you get a lot of women that uh, come into to Black Rifle looking to buy guns? Have you seen a, a, a marked increase? or? Uh, yeah, since about, I'd say, early 2017, we've seen quite a bit of an increase. We're getting at least 30-40% of our customers, especially looking at handguns, are going to be women. See, when I uh, go into a place like Black Rifle, I generally know pretty much what I want, mm -hmm. and I can, you know, talk the talk and, you know, walk out of there and get what I've been seeking. Uh, but we don't picture women walking in like that. Are they more knowledgeable now than they used to be, too? Some, yeah. There's definitely a, a population of women that come in. They know what they're after. Um, heck, even just yesterday, I had a couple come in. They both purchased Glocks and that's what she knew she liked. It's her go-to, and she was ready for another new one. <laughs> another new award? <laughs> she couldn't award the old one out. Those things don't wear out. No, and knowing them, they have quite a few. Well, I think that's comforting. Yeah. You know, um, when it comes to a confrontation with an ex-boyfriend or an ex-husband, mm -hmm. and we just talked about a story uh, from Las Vegas where this happened, uh, women are at the disadvantage. We are usually bigger, have greater upper body strength. Uh, we're more uh, likely to have uh, learned the art of pugilism, uh, you know, while, while growing up uh, than women have. Uh, so there is an equalizer here. Mm -hmm. And the more women that know about firearms, practice with their firearm, the, the fewer of those women are going to be endangered. Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, look at me. I'm not the biggest thing at all. Yeah, people, um. if, if you're looking on the camera, <laughs> if you're looking at uh, Gary on Guns, because we have cameras in the studio, you will see that uh, that uh, Megan weighs probably, I'm guessing, somewhere around 100 pounds, very close to it. North of that, but yeah. Yeah, not much. <laughs> not much. The only way you get north of that is if you're holding on to two pounds of coffee or something. I, <laughs> That's why Pete always jokes that I'm 100 pounds sopping wet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, it doesn't surprise me. But, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not big. Um, I'm going to stack the deck in my favor. Yeah, what is that line that uh, uh, that Tim used to use? Um, it's all right to uh, to cheat when it comes to a gunfight. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever it takes. Um, women averaging twenty six and a half percent of permit holders, half of one percent point increase over twenty eighteen. Uh, the increase in female permit holders outpaced the increase in male permit holders across the same same time period. I think that women are playing a little game of catch-up here. Yeah. Uh, the number of African-American permit holders increased faster than the number of white permit holders. And, you know, if you're looking at the urban areas mm -hmm. where, um, frankly, as the result of big government, uh, most uh, African-Americans uh, end up residing, it, it's pretty tough territory in yep. many cases. They're the ones who really, really need to be able to conceal carry. Yeah. And the problem here we have is the government often throws up roadblocks. Mm -hmm. uh, making it more expensive to get a permit means they're less likely to be able to afford to protect themselves and their loved ones. Yep, they're pricing out that income status. Uh, John Lott reports that in Texas, the number of black permit holders has grown more than twice as quickly as the number of white permit holders. Within states that provide data by both gender and race, black female permit holders was the fastest growing population. 
In fact, John Lott says the rates of permit holding among um, uh, American Indian, Asian, black, and white females all grew much faster than the rates for males in those racial groups. Uh, and we're talking about the disparity in size if there's a physical confrontation between men and women. But there's not a whole lot of difference when it comes to the ability to draw and shoot mm-hmm. accurately. It is the great equalizer. Uh, besides being an increasingly diverse group, permit holders continue to prove that they are law-abiding citizens. Lot presents permit revocation rates to demonstrate the highest revocation rate listed is 0.72% in Connecticut. Only one other state, Maryland, is even above one-half of 1%. Uh, to be clear, that's less than 1% of permit holders, as Lot notes, most of these rates include revocations for any reason, including people moving out of state and for states where the revocation rates are higher uh, than hundredths of a percentage point are due to residency revocations. When I uh, moved to New York, yeah. I, I no longer have a concealed carry permit. That doesn't mean I've committed a crime and lost my right. It's just right. that I've... I'd like to see that breakdown if they ever would have that data of yeah, uh-huh. what percentage were actually from residency changes. Uh, most of the rates include those uh, revocations uh, just moving out of state. Uh, the findings should reinforce the fact that law-abiding gun owners are not criminals and should not be the targets of efforts to reduce crime. Uh, and uh, they write, as we've seen uh, time and again, focusing on the actual crime yields results. Efforts to, de- uh, to demonize law-abiding gun owners will only increase as politicians get desperate for attention from a fawning media. So if people like uh, uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke get their way, a lot more people are going to be victims. Mm-hmm. And that is dangerous. Coming up in the next segment, right after we get you up to date with what's going on around town and around the world, I'll try and put this pistol back together. I'll just give it to Megan. She'll do it. <laughs> uh, we'll tell you what she brought in. And uh, she also brought in a long gun with optics, and it really is neat. We'll talk about that, too. All coming up. Gary on Guns, 93.90.